So today we dive back in Psalm 125. If you want to grab your Bibles? We're going to dig in this morning. I'm going to even roll up my sleeves. Some of you may want to roll up your sleeves. So we're going to get in the scriptures this morning. Okay? It's kind of getting hot, right? Some of you are feeling that heat already. I know I am. Then again, I've been yapping uh, my gums, flapping my gums since uh, eight o'clock this morning with these things. So it's time to just get down and dirty. You know, today we live in a day that is consumed with maintaining security. You think maybe I'm just stating that to make a point. Well, I am. But here's an interesting fact. Do you know that in 2017, we have spent or will spend an estimated $90 billion on cybersecurity alone? $90 billion just on cybersecurity. We are consumed with protecting information, right? $90 billion. The United States has spent $636 billion on homeland security since 2001. And we know about that event in 2001, which sparked all this spending. Money, time, energy, resources is going to securing us. To protecting our borders, to protecting our land, to protecting our information. We are absolutely consumed with security. Yet, interestingly enough, we're still a society that can't seem to get it. We can't seem to obtain it. Might be said that we are anything but secure, right? Our computers, our lives, everything. It's just, we have this sense and fear of vulnerability. Someone has access, someone is threatening, our security is always into question, and we have to continue to spend more time and more resources trying to combat things that would come against us and threaten us. We are trying so hard to be secure, but we often feel the opposite. We often live in a terror-ridden society in fear. Am I right or am I wrong? We crave peace in the deepest part of who we are. And yet for some reason, no matter how hard we try, we still wrestle with a certain amount of turmoil. There's still something not right. We can't put our finger on it but there's still something not right. We wrestle with turmoil. We lack peace of mind. We lack it in this world in which we live, and we do so because we lack it in the deepest part of who we are. We lack this. No matter how much technology we can come up with to control and protect, the bottom line is we still feel very much vulnerable, right? So it seems like the pursuit of security and peace is a fool's game. It seems like we're wasting our time and our money, right? Is that true? The answer is no. The pursuit of security and peace is not a fool's pursuit. That's the good news. There is true security. There is a source and a wellspring of peace, both in the world, 
and in our hearts. And today, we're going to look at it. It's very simple. It's very clear. That doesn't mean that it's easy though, right? Because I'm saying it's simple and it's clear, it's going to be very black and white today. I know we live in a day and age that wants to gray things. It wants to complicate things. I mean, look at this room, right? Shades of gray. We like gray. Some say, well, actually, HGTV's into black and whites now. Well, okay, fine. Gray is a value of society. We want to complicate things, confuse things. But what I'm trying to tell you today, that the pursuit for peace and security, for safety from the things that threaten us most, it's a very simple, clear, black and white answer to that. It's not easy, but it's simple. And so we turn to the Word of God to give us truth, revelation, about this source of peace and security, this source of safety, this source of protection from the things that we think are threatening us, that actually do leave us vulnerable. Listen to what the psalmist says. Verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, which abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in heart, in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their own crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is the Word of God. And all God's people said in response, Amen, amen. I'm going to put it on you right from the start. Where do you get your sense of security? Where do you find your sense of peace and protection? Where do you get your sense of safety? I'm going to ask some questions. Okay, are you ready? Do you find your security in money? Do you find your security and your safety, your peace of mind, in your intelligence? I'll figure it out. Do you find your sense of security in technology? Do you find your sense of security in success? Your own performance? Your ability to do things well? I'll be just fine because I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. I'll figure it out. Maybe your sense of accomplishment gives you a sense of security. Your sense of security is wrapped up in your achievement. Do you find your security in relationships? 
someone in your life that really makes you feel good inside? Do you find your sense of security in religion? That is, I know I'll be just fine. Everything's going to be okay with me in relationship to God because I go to church every week. Or because I give a certain proportion of my resources when the bucket passes. Or I vote for a particular political party. Or I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a moral person. I check off a list of religious behaviors that make me feel good about who I am. Especially as I look relative to other people. What is it that gives you your sense of security in life? Is it one of those things? Black and white, the Scriptures reveal to us those who live with and enjoy an unshakable, immovable, unthreatenable security. These are the people. Verse 1, those who trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord, he says, are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved, but abides forever. He's giving a metaphor there. Mount Zion was the hill upon which the temple in Jerusalem sat. And it gave a picture to the people, as that temple was there in Jerusalem, of the presence of God in the midst of His people, which was promised to remain. Right? So as they looked at Zion, remember, these psalms are the songs of ascent. They're journeying up to Jerusalem. And so as they're embarking on their way to Jerusalem, they're looking up to the hills, as we've seen thus far, and they see that Mount Zion, the place where the presence of God was in the midst of His people on the basis of promise. And nothing could threaten the promises of God. And so he's saying those who trust in the Lord... They're like Mount Zion, which because of promise, it's, it's immovable. It's unshakable. Those who trust in the Lord are like that. There's security for those who trust in the Lord. There's safety. There's immovability. There's protection for those who trust in the Lord. And then he goes on to tell us what the Lord is like in relationship to those kind of people. So that the Lord, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. So again, Jerusalem, on the top of a mountain, a hill, and then Mount Zion, which was there where the temple was, wasn't the only mountain in the region. Matter of fact, it wasn't the tallest mountain. It's a very mountainous terrain. And so as they're journeying up to Jerusalem, up on the tops of hills, they'd be able to look out and see all these mountains that surrounded Jerusalem. And those mountains were very protective to Israel and to Jerusalem. And so what he's saying is this, when I think about those 
who live and enjoy security, peace of mind, I think about those who trust in the Lord. They're like Mount Zion. Why are they immovable? Why are they so secure? Why are they so unshakable? Because as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord is surrounding His people. That any threat that would come against them, they're protected by the presence of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. You see, these verses identify for us and describe a distinct group of people. Those who trust in the Lord. Another way to describe these people is that they are the righteous ones of verse 3. And they are the Lord's people of verse 2. They are those who are good in verse 4. They are the ones who are upright in their hearts. They are, verse 7, Israel. We're not talking about, in all those different phrases, different groups of people. We're talking about the same people. Those that trust in the Lord are those who are righteous. Those who trust in the Lord are those who are doing good. Those who trust in the Lord are the people of the Lord. Those that trust in the Lord are God's people, Israel. They're the ones that are upright in their heart. And so we have a group of people that are postured toward the Lord as trusting. The fundamental thing that describes their relationship with the Lord is that they trust Him. They rely upon Him. They see Him in His promise and His faithfulness, and they conclude He is worthy of our trust. And those are the people that live and enjoy His protection and their security. And so what we see here today is that those who trust in the Lord are secured by Him. Trusting in the Lord is the ticket, the pathway to security. If you do not trust in the Lord, you can have no assurance of your safety from your most oppressive and threatening enemies. If you do not trust in the Lord, you are not ultimately safe. That's what the scriptures tell us. But if you do trust in the Lord, then you are secured by Him. Some of you here today may have found your security in that original list of false senses of security. You're putting your hope and your trust in those things money, human relationships. Success, achievement, right? You're putting your hope and your trust in that to reduce risk of threat around you. You've engaged in self-protection in that regard. But what he's saying is those are all false senses of security. And the true security that we have is found in a relationship with God whereby we just simply look to who He is and trust in Him, and enjoy His protection. Do you trust the Lord today? That's what this is. It's a black and white, compare and contrast, two kinds of people, and two kinds of experiences, and in the end, two kinds of eternities. Those who trust in the Lord, the righteous, the upright in heart, and those who turn aside to their crooked ways. Those who trust in themselves. 
So trusting in the Lord is crucial to receiving and enjoying safety from your enemies. But is it trust itself? I think that's really important. Is this a day where I just yell at you to trust God and you, you try to conjure up enough trust in your heart and then you feel really bad because there's still something going on inside of you that, that pulls you away from that and you still struggle with some fears and some doubts and then you feel condemned. You walk away saying, man, I must not be safe because I'm really wrestling. I can't seem to conjure up enough Trust in God. Is that what this is about? Are we highlighting faith itself? If you want to be safe and secure, just have enough faith. Is that what we're saying today? Somebody yell no up in this mug. No. Are we minimizing faith as a means to receive? Absolutely not. Faith. You must trust. But what is it that makes faith in the Lord so instrumental to receiving peace and security? What is it about it? Well, it's not faith itself that gives us security and assurance. It's whom our faith is in. He is the one that is immovable and immutable and unchangeable and unshakable. He's the one who makes a promise and keeps it. He's the one that is faithful from beginning to the end. He's the one who has existed in eternity past and eternity future. No one can threaten Him. No one can undermine Him and His authority. And that's why faith in the Lord is what gives us security. Because it's in the Lord. You see, we're trusting in something. We're giving ourselves over to something because of what we inherently lack in and of ourselves. We don't have peace. We don't have security. We're full of fear. And so then we say, okay, here's how I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to entrust myself to this. False senses of security. But what gives faith in the Lord, it's power is the one in which we have our faith in. It's the object of our faith which gives us such peace and security. Not faith itself. You may have seen this week, if you follow me on Facebook, one of my favorite little three-minute clips from D.A. Carson. It's uh, called The Ground of Our Assurance. If you want to Google it and look it up, by all means, do it. It's, it never gets old, I think is what I said. He talks about... Um, the ground of our assurance, and he goes back to Egypt, and he's, he's talking about, imagine uh, the two Jews in the land of Goshen on the night of the Passover, when the angel of death was told that they were going to come and, and kill all the firstborn in the land, and the only way that he would pass over the firstborn was that blood would, of the, the blood of the lamb would be on the doorposts. And he said, you can imagine that day, two Jews talking to one another. He called them Smith and Brown, which is kind of funny. Uh, two Jews, Smith and Brown, are talking to one another, and one Jew says to the other, hey, what do you, what do you think uh, is going to happen? Aren't you, aren't you a little concerned? And uh, the other guy goes, no, no, man, I, I trust in the Lord. God told us what to do, so yeah, I'm going to just trust in God's promises. Absolutely, we're going to be fine. The other guy goes, I know, but you, know, you see all the frogs and the gnats and, the, and all the plagues, and you know, now they're talking about the angel of death, and 
you know, are, are you sure, like, you think we're going to be all right? And he says, absolutely. I mean, you put the, you put the, you, you put the blood on the doorpost, right? And the, and the other guy says, well, yeah, I did that, but, you know, it's just, it's been a little crazy. It's been a little wild. I mean, I definitely killed a lamb, and I put it over the doorpost, and yeah, we did all that he said to do, but I'm just a little uncertain, right? I'm, a, I'm just struggling with all this. So you have Jew, uh, the Jew that is, that is all in, committed, convinced, a very intense faith. And then you have the other guy that's, that's doing what he's supposed to be told. He's acting in obedience, but he's just kind of struggling a little bit, not sure what to expect. And, and, and D.A. Carson asked the question, which Jew lost their son when the angel of death passed over? Which one? Neither. 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 He says death doesn't pass over them on the ground of the intensity or the clarity of the faith exercised, but on the ground of the blood of the Lamb. You see, it's not faith itself that saves us. It's what our faith is in. It's not faith that gives us security. Man, if we just conjure up enough faith here. Now understand, your faith must be real. It must be sincere. It must be credible. You can't just fake faith. Faith is very real and vital and vibrant. But it does not, and even I would say cannot, before Jesus returns, be perfect. It's always imperfect. So it can't be based on the intensity and the clarity and the perfection of our faith. It's not about our faith per se. It's about what our faith is in. And so the reason trusting in the Lord brings about eternal assurance and security is because of the, the, what our faith is in, the object of our faith. What a wonderful truth for us who live not with false senses of security, but false senses of insecurity. We think we're, we're toast. We think God doesn't love us. We think that the, the lies of the enemy are true as he points the finger and accuses us of our sins. Right? Some of us walk not with a false sense of security, but a false sense of insecurity. We're not believing enough. We're not obeying enough. What we do is never enough. God cannot possibly be pleased with me. He cannot possibly be protecting me. He's angered with me. Christian. If you truly have embraced the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ on your behalf, do not just try harder and do better in conjuring up enough sincerity. Let the Spirit of God work in your heart. He will do it over time. But just simply rest and throw yourself into the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ. The object of our faith is the ground of our assurance, the ground of our security, the ground of our peace. Jesus who He is, and all that He has done for us. When you stand before Almighty God someday, and, he's, and you stand before Him and have to give account for your life, will you look at Him and say, hey, look, look at my 15 plus years of ministry. Will you look at Him and say, look at all my church attendance. Check out my record. Will you do that? Or will you fall upon your knees and cast yourself and say, don't look at me, God. Look at Jesus. That's the ground of our assurance. That's the ground of our security. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They're protected. They're safe because He is really unthreatenable. He's immovable. You can't mess with the living God. Satan is no match for God. And therefore, 
faith unites us to Him. That's really what this is about. It's a call to trust in the Lord. Even imperfectly in this life. Trust in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Cast yourself on the person and work of the Lord. If you place your faith, hope, and trust in Him, the Scriptures say that you are safe. Look at verse 3. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. You see, if God has claimed a people, and God has claimed a place, and God is preparing a place for us, here's the wonderful truth of the Gospel. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. God's kingdom, God's rule, God's people and God's place, there will be a day, and we can be rest assured, that we will be in a place where there will be absolutely no oppressive, wicked rule. Do you have a vision for the kingdom of God? There will be no, the scepter of wickedness, that's a symbol of rule. That is, wickedness will have no power, will have no authority in your daily life. Can you imagine a day like that? It's easy for us to watch the news and say, man, we need to get rid of that. That needs to be put to an end. God, in His perfect timing and way, will put all of that to an end. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. That is a glorious promise for us who await the day in which Jesus will return. And He will establish His perfect rule and reign. And we will be, as those who trust in the Lord, in that place. And wickedness will be no more. So some of you are feeling the pull and the pressure of wickedness in your own soul. You're feeling the magnetic pull of the enemy away from trusting in the Lord, submitting to His will. And you're feeling the power and the presence of sin in the flesh. Here's the wonderful truth of those who have rested in the Lord. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. It's only a matter of time before Jesus returns and claims what is rightfully His, His people. And wickedness will be fully and forever removed from our daily life and experience. He's going to make it so, and He's going to keep it and protect it, and surround us. We are safe and secure in relationship to Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Where's your hope and security? Is it in the Lord? I pray so. I pray your security and your peace and your hope is in the Lord. The psalmist then turns to a prayer He sees the nature, character of God. He knows the soon and coming kingdom which Jesus and the Lord will establish for His people. Then he prays, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. You read something like that and you begin to wonder, is this like a God helps those who help themselves? kind of verse. It's like, okay, if I do good, then God will do good to me. Let's be very clear. That is not what it is saying. Right? How do we hear this prayer in light of Romans 3, which quotes the Psalms in another place? No one does good. No one is righteous. 
right? No, not one. No one seeks after the Lord. And so hear this prayer of do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. You ask the question, well, in another place, the Scriptures teach that no one is good. So who can he respond to and bless and show his favor to when no one is doing what is good? No one except one. Jesus. The man who came and lived perfect sinless life and died in our place as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Who because of his perfection was vindicated and raised from the dead to the glory of God. So that, as Romans 3 goes on, those who look to him and trust in him are united to his goodness and his perfection. If you want assurance that God looks at you and sees righteousness, He looks at you and says, good. He looks at you and says, upright in heart. Don't just try to do good things. Rest in the one who did all that is good, Jesus Christ. Right? It's by faith. We're back to that. Trusting in the Lord. Right? Those who do good are those who trust in the Lord. Those who are righteous are those who look at Christ, all that He is and all that He's done, and trust in the Lord. There's no good that comes from anyone who does not trust in the Lord, ultimately. So trust in the Lord and be safe and secure. Receive His righteousness today and have assurance that you stand before Him acquitted. Do good, Lord. Bless those whom you have saved by faith. Bless those who you have made upright in their hearts. Bless those who are walking in accordance with your ways by faith. Those who trust in the Lord are secured by Him. Have we made it clear that trusting in the Lord is the pathway to security and protection from your greatest and most threatening enemy. Do you trust in the Lord? The scriptures here put a dividing line between those who trust in the Lord and those who do not, verse 5, but those who turn aside to their own crooked ways. Again, we don't like black and white. We don't like either or. We like to create multiple categories. We like to be a little bit confused to create a few other options for us. But really the scriptures, if you go back to Psalm 1, you see it there, right? The way of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Okay? And the way of the wicked will perish. The sheep and the goats. The people of the Lord, the people of this world. Good, evil, light, darkness. It's very black and white. It's either or. There's no other third category. When Jesus and the Lord looks at the world, He sees a distinction between those who trust in Him and those who turn aside to their own crooked ways. You are doing one of those two things in relationship to Almighty God. Just simply put. You're either trusting or you're turning. And the psalmist gives a clear warning to us that 
those who turn away from the Lord. Look at what it says. To their own crooked ways, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your what? Own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your paths straight. Those who turn aside to their own crooked ways. I don't know about you, but I think that image, again, we're in the midst of a psalm where there's a journey taking place, right? That there's this vision that God has laid forward, this this way to security and peace. And then there is this visual of the people giving up along the way or being distracted about other destinations and deciding to walk down a different path and go another place. I think that's really the nature of sin. The nature of sin all the way back to Eden is that we know the way of God. And there's something inside of us that says, yeah, I know it, I've heard it, I understand it, but my will is magnetically pulled away from what God has for me, and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live into my own wisdom. I'm going to walk in my own ways. And I think that will give me more security and peace of mind. That is the nature of sin all the way back to Adam and Eve. And really, turning in and of itself is an act of trust, isn't it? When we turn away from God, we're saying, I don't trust Him. I trust this. And trusting is also an act of turning. Right? The word repentance. The call of the gospel. What do we do in response to who Christ is and what He's done? We trust in Him and we repent. The book of Acts lays out very clearly. And repentance is simply... A turning, right? We're heading in this direction on our own, according to our own wisdom, in rebellion against God. And we're saying, whoa, I see who God is. I see what God has done. And now I'm doing 180 degree turn away from sin, away from my own crooked ways. And I'm turning back to God in trust. You see, a turning is an act of trust. And then trusting will mean a turning Back to Him. And there is nothing more significant for you today than coming to grips with where you are in relationship to God and every aspect of your life. Am I trusting in the Lord or am I turning away to my own crooked ways? I want you to ask that simple question this morning. Now, that could be a whole life orientation. I don't trust God. Not interested in his word. Not going to give my life to that. I'm going to do my own thing on my own terms and let the pieces fall where they may. That is a whole life orientation away from God. That may be you here today. And if that's you here today, I want you to hear gently that that Turning away from God is a step toward being separated from Him and all that He gives and blesses His people with, right? The Lord will lead away those who turn away, 
turn aside uh, with the evildoers. You see, we don't like that either. We don't like the black and white. Two kinds of people, one Lord, two kinds of eternities. But it would be an unloving thing to not point this out to say that a, a willful rejection of the Lord's grace to you, purpose for you, will for you, is a step toward Him leading you away with the evildoers. That is a strong, hard word. But it is a gracious word. Because warnings are grace, are acts of grace. We don't want you to walk in that way. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we preach this message. Because we want you to trust in the Lord. We want you to have uh, the, the satisfaction of what it means to know Him. We want you to live in security. We want you to be protected from your sins. But what you trust and where you turn, it's a matter of living and dying. There's nothing more significant this morning than you turning and trusting in the living God. Trusting in Jesus. Again, not blindly. We're not calling on blind faith. And maybe today, you can't trust because you still need to know a little bit more about this supposed trustworthy God. That's okay. But today we're here to simply prompt trust in the hearts of people. And for those who do trust, to provide assurance that they are safe and secure, surrounded by the Lord. You see, every one of us here this morning came with something pressing and important on our mind. Something that is dominating our thoughts. Something that we value more than anything else. Something that we would consider to be the most important thing for us today. We can easily measure that by seeing how much of our time goes to it, what we value most. We can see how much we, what we value most by what we spend our money on. We can see uh, what we value most by what we're thinking about constantly. When we wake up in the middle of the night, where is our mind? What does it go to? What is our thought life? What are we working for? What are we striving for? What is the most significant thing, the most pressing issue in your life? And we're here today to tell you that the most important thing that we often miss is our relationship with God and our relationship to our greatest enemy, sin. Are you trusting in the Lord? Is there a situation in your life that maybe you're making excuses? You're protecting that aspect of your life and saying, this is okay. You're making a case for disobedience. Is there an issue in your life that you're ignoring the gospel of God, the truth of the word of God? And you're turning aside to your own crooked ways, your wisdom, You see, this kind of Lord calls for our wholehearted trust. For us to walk away from those things and trust in Him. His way is best. His way is good. His way ultimately leads you to eternal life, joy, 
security, assurance, and peace, the most pressing thing for you in the middle of the summer is your relationship with God. There is nothing that pales anywhere near significant to how you are relating to Almighty God than whether you're trusting in Him or turning away from Him in your crookedness. So don't leave today with, I'll deal with that next week. That'll be important next year. We'll think about this later. First, I've got to do this. You need to deal with God today about your relationship with Him. Are you trusting Him or are you turning away? And hear the promise that if you trust in Him, you trust in who He is and all that He has accomplished. Look at what it says. You're like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. You're safe. You're secure. The lies of the accuser are pointless, right? The attempts of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy, you may lose this life, but he cannot take away your security and your eternal life that is found in the one you trust. Can't take it away. He can't take any part of it. He can fool you, but he cannot kill you ultimately. That if you trust in the Lord, that the Lord is surrounding you like the mountains surround Jerusalem. No money can buy this kind of peace and security. No accomplishment can, can you trade for this. It is a free gift for those who simply trust in the Lord. Security, peace, assurance, rest for eternity. So trust in the Lord. Turn from your sin. And enjoy the security and the peace that this world can never, ever offer you in any way, shape, or form. You know... We were at a park yesterday. <clears throat> we were with the Latino Fellowship with Rainier Martinez. And you think to yourself, it's Saturday afternoon. It's sunny. I've got a pool. Why am I here? Simple. Right? The reason we invest those kind of conversations and times is because we feel compelled to do something about the fact that at the end of the day there are two kinds of people and there are two eternal destinies. Those who trust in the Lord that know His protection and those who turn aside to their crookedness and will be led away into punishment. We know that that reality exists and we will give our lives and our resources, and our money, and our energy, and our Saturday afternoons, we will give up anything because of this peace that is offered in Jesus Christ. Trusting in the Lord for the peace of the Lord is the heart of the mission that we're called to. Bringing this message of hope and security to a lost world. Isn't that wonderful? The scepter of wickedness will not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. That's a message that no tweet can bring to fruition in this world. Someone say amen to that. I'm done. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for this day, for this word that is hard. My voice is gone. I've yelled too much. But Lord, I pray simply this, that in the midst of my imperfect serving and my imperfect preaching, that you would simply minister the powerful, life-changing word of God to the lives of men, women, and children in this room. That they would turn to you in trust and turn away from their sin. And you would all the more give us the courage and faith to walk out these doors to bring this message of hope and peace and security, this message of love, this message of a religion will not save, money isn't enough, accomplishment will fall short, that simply preaches a gospel that says Jesus is enough and that trusting in Him gives us all that our human hearts crave. We ask this in Jesus' name.